How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. All right, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans financed the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. Get your Rocket Mortgage on, son. Sunday, it's another NFL on CBS doubleheader. First Baltimore's MVP candidate, Lamar Jackson, takes a show on the road to Buffalo, followed by a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game with the Patriots. Welcome the Chiefs into Gillette. It all starts with the NFL today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on CBS. The Player of the Week is brought to you by Granger. Let's take a look at the one who got it done this week. It's Mello, Carmelo Anthony, who averaged 22.3, 7.7 boards, 2.7 dimes. To help the players go 3-0 in his return to the league. Way to go, Mello. The Player of the Week brought to you by Granger. Granger's got your back when it comes to the safety and industrial supplies to keep your facility running. Get what you need when you need it at Granger.com. One other thing, our toll-free line, 855-212-4CBS. is brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save a bunch of money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Jerry Hannon is back on the bench in the biggest way possible, and he's our college football insider. Hey, Jerry, how you doing, buddy? Hope you had a good Pharrell's giving. I had a fantastic holiday, Scott. I am super pumped to be on the show again. Obviously, we are uh, hitting crunch time in college football there's a million stories there's a million games uh can't wait to talk about it all right so uh let's start by uh, we already know ohio state lsu clemson georgia are one through four the big question is utah five oklahoma six and there's a lot going on oklahoma plays baylor utah plays uh against oregon uh and that game is friday the other one's saturday I think, you know, I, I don't deny Utah's a good football team. I don't deny it at all. But I think Oklahoma's better. Uh, that's because they're better. Um, I think, at the very least, we need to be clear about this. Utah's got a tough, tough path to actually get in. I think you glance at these rankings that have come out, and they've got Utah on top of Oklahoma. But Utah has not beaten a ranked team this season. Like, USC might be the best team that they've played this year. I think they were the only ranked team that they've played, and they lost that game. They didn't deserve to lose the game. They dominated it statistically, got you know stuck in the red zone a million times. Uh, but the bottom line is that was you know their big test that they've had this season, to some extent beating Washington, but you know Washington's kind of fallen apart here the last couple of weeks. Chris Peterson now has left that program, actually. Uh, you know That was their chance, and they did not come through. On the other hand, Oklahoma – had, went to Baylor, went to Waco, uh, was obviously down, you know, what, 28-3, to I believe. Uh, the Magic score, 28-3, to uh, in that game, still got it together, came back, won the game. You know, they do have the loss at Kansas State, but that Kansas State team is very, very good, especially in Manhattan. Uh, Chris Kleeman sort of quietly, like, thumped Iowa State, another very good team this last weekend. I don't think there's a whole lot of disgrace in losing at Manhattan uh, Resume-wise, yes, I think, you, you know, especially if the Sooners beat Baylor, maybe Baylor even if they beat Oklahoma, uh, is just going to have too much for Utah's resume. 
And then if you're talking about just total quality of team, you know, I don't trust Oklahoma's defense any further than I can throw it. Uh, Utah definitely has an advantage on that side of the ball, and I do think the Utah offense is a little underrated. Tyler Huntley's a very good quarterback, um, but, you know, on that side of the ball, we're also comparing it to Jalen Hurts, C.D. Lamb. You know, Oklahoma just still has skill guys coming out their ears. They're still coached by Lincoln Riley. Um, I, I think it's going to be pretty tough for Utah. I think it's going to take basically Baylor beating Oklahoma and – Utah not just beating Oregon, but really beating the snot out of them. I think they're really going to have to be dominant and pair that uh, with a Baylor win. I, I just don't think they could get in over, in over Oklahoma. And uh, obviously they got to root really, really, really hard for LSU as well. Do you think that, um, you know, uh, so are you buying that Utah will blow out uh, Oregon? Is that what you're leaning? <laughs> No, to be perfectly honest, I don't I'm either. Not. I don't either. Uh, Utah, you know, give Utah a lot of credit here. Uh, they have a lot of talented players. They have blown out the people who have been in front of them basically since that USC game. Uh, you know, this last weekend they flattened Colorado. Uh, they flattened UCLA. They flattened uh, Arizona. You know, basically everybody that has come in front of them over the last, you know, six weeks or so, They've blown them out, and you know Utah does not get to make their schedule. I think if they could, uh, you know, they would have played Oregon in the regular season. Maybe if they could go back, they would have scheduled somebody better in the non-conference. You know, uh, they played the schedule they've played, and you know they beat UCLA forty-nine to three. They beat Arizona thirty-five to seven. Colorado forty-five to fifteen. Beat Cal thirty-five to nothing. You know, uh, a decent Oregon State team. They went to Corvallis and won that game fifty-two to seven. So you know, it's not like they could do a whole lot more than what they have done, but the schedule is the schedule, um, you know, and ultimately these are just not high-profile teams. They're not top 25 teams. Again, Washington maybe is the best team they've beaten, uh, who's had a really disappointing end of the season. Um, you know, it's just uh, the meat that we're looking for in these resumes just isn't there. Now, there's not a lot of meat on Oklahoma's resume either, but beating Baylor all by itself, a team that, you know, when playing teams not named Oklahoma, is 11-0. and uh, You know, they've had some close scrapes in there, but they're also playing very well, just flattened the, you know, halfway decent Kansas team this last Saturday. Uh, the beef just isn't there for Utah. I think Oregon, you know, is another level up from some of these teams they have played. Uh, you know, Oregon – Hasn't played great down the stretch. I was really surprised they lost that game to Arizona State, which in itself I think is kind of a crippling blow for Utah. Then instead of this being, you know, Oregon coming in as a team that swept its Pac-12 schedule and its only loss was, you know, a heartbreaker against Auburn, which you know now is in the sort of New Year's Six Bowl picture as well. Um, you know, but losing that Arizona State game just kind of really took a lot of air out of the balloon. Uh, I, I think you got Utah is just going to have to come out and absolutely obliterate the Ducks. Yeah, that's and, and I really don't see that happen. I think you know when Justin Herbert has been healthy, you know Oregon has basically been competitive with just about everybody in the Pac-12. I expect that's going to continue on Friday night. All right. So uh, of the three undefeated teams, Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson, uh, which one do you think's the best? I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. Um, you know, I think. Kevin Wilson, we've seen this, you know, with all the quarterbacks Ohio State. Ohio State's offense, whether it's been Kevin Wilson or his predecessors, when they've had a quarterback who can both run and throw the ball, uh, or even when they don't, I mean, Dwayne Haskins mostly threw it, ran just a little bit, uh, you know, but having 
a dual-threat weapon there in with their weapons that they've got on offense, J.K. Dobbins, those receivers, you can't stop everything. Like Justin Fields being able to run the ball and throw the ball as well as he can with the weapons that he's got around him, it, there's just nothing you can do. Don Brown is one of the best defense coordinators in college football, and his defense has been eviscerated two years in a row by that offense. Um, and, you know, it, it's hard for me to look at, you know, maybe Georgia, I think, maybe Clemson, you can't ever knock, you know, Brent Venables. Uh, but they are going to be a handful for whoever they play. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, Ohio State's defense is lock solid. Uh, you know, Michigan got to them a little bit, had some success there in like second and third quarter. Yeah, no, they didn't. Uh, but, you know, most of this season has basically been, you know, good teams. Wisconsin's a good team. Uh, you know, some of these other teams that they've played, Cincinnati, good teams that just cannot move the ball at all uh, against that defense. I think they're the most complete team. I think they have the most top-to-bottom talent, like in their starting lineup. Uh, I, I think Ohio State uh, right now is the best, most complete team in the country, uh, with Clemson being number two, I think, the way they've played over the last six or seven weeks. So, uh, Jerry Hinnon with us, our college football insider. Uh, speaking of Ohio State and, and the Michigan game, they kicked their ass. So I don't know what you know. You're talking about Michigan. Michigan just continues to bend over against Ohio State. Now my question is this: What are they going to do about uh, you know Jim Harbaugh? Because the guy is like whatever 47 and 17 or something since he's been there, but he's 0 and 5 against Ohio State. Like, how mad are they? Do you think the brass at at Ann Arbor that he can't beat Ohio State? And not only did he, he can't beat him, he gets his ass beat by them every year. Yeah. Um, if I'm in Ann Arbor, I, I just don't know what to do uh, because you're not going to hire somebody better than Harbaugh is the thing. Like, you look around, and this might be the shallowest pool for really, like, top-end coaching candidates that I can remember. Like, if I'm a Michigan or, you know, I'm a USC, I think this is why we just saw a report came out tonight, the USC is going to retain Clay Helton. Um, you know, if you can't coax Urban Meyer out of retirement, Michigan's not going to hire Urban Meyer anyway. Uh, you know, then really what is the point? Uh, are you going to go hire Matt Campbell? I think Matt Campbell's a great coach. He just got a new uh, deal. He just got a new deal today. He got a new deal today. Uh, but, like, is he going to do better at Michigan than Jim Harbaugh is? Uh, you, know, uh, you know, that's the kind of coaching pool you're looking at right now. I think Michigan, I'm sure they are absolutely fed up. Uh, they've lost, what, I think eight years in a row. Right. Urban Meyer left, you know, this year is supposed to be you know, if not a down year, at least a year where Ohio State would have been a little bit more vulnerable. They had to come to the big house this year instead of this game being in Columbus, uh, and it still was uh, not close. Um, so I think I, I think they're tearing their hair out in Ann Arbor. Um, you know, they have probably the best coach they can get, uh, and it still doesn't look like it's nearly enough. So what do you do? I don't know. Um, I think you wait probably and see if – you know, somebody like a Campbell emerges, if maybe the next Tom Herman, you can get him and then hope he's better than Tom Herman, since Tom Herman has to this point been a disappointment as well. Um, you know, I don't know what you do. You wait and hope that Ryan Day kind of, you know, can't keep the ship together the way Meyer did and that this is kind of a Larry Coker situation. Uh, you know, the way we saw at Miami where he kept it together for a year or two and then things kind of fell apart. You know, I, I don't know what you do. I don't have any good advice. Uh, for Michigan football, right? Yeah, now. I don't. I, I'm not gonna. I, I don't believe that Day 
will uh, – so I don't think anything's going to happen in Columbus besides great players are going to keep going to Ohio State. I don't think they're going to have, yeah. like, a, a drop-off of talent. In fact, I think Ohio State has a better football program all around than Michigan, hands down, talent-wise. You got a, a like, uh, absolutely five-star camp, and then you have a four-star camp, Michigan being yeah. the four. So I believe that uh, Day will continue to rock in Columbus because they're going to get the best play. I mean, their entire team's NFL ready. Let me throw a couple games at you now uh, yeah. that uh, real quickly, I got I got two minutes tops. I want to I want to hit uh, Cincinnati Memphis. They're playing again this week just like they did last week, and it was a really good game. And now again, it's like nine. I, I got it at 10 at one point when it opened up. It was 10 with Cincinnati getting 10. Memphis beat them by 10 last week. What happens this week? Oh, man. I, this game is so great. I, I'm, I'm just not completely sold at Cincinnati at this stage of the season. They played East Carolina, which was not a good team a few weeks ago, one by three. I think they had another close call against USF a few weeks ago, uh, whereas Memphis has just been blowing everybody's doors off. I think Memphis is just hands down a better team. They've got the better defense. Kenneth Gainwell, their freshman running back, is a monster. Like I think Memphis has sent a couple of other, you know, uh, Daryl Henderson, another couple of, running backs on the NFL. Kenneth Gainwell is going to get there. He's only a freshman, so it's going to be a couple of years. Uh, but he's going to be there as well. He is an absolute phenomenon. Love that kid, and I love Memphis. I think, you know, the sort of computer rankings all year said, you know what, Memphis is the best team in this conference. They've played like it week in, week out, uh, really shown in that big, you know, primetime game against SMU a few weeks back where, you know, they were up by like 20-something points in the fourth quarter. Uh, I, I just think Memphis is the best team. I don't know if they're going to cover the 10 now with, like, well, that, everything That's on all the that line. matters, Jerry. That's all <laughs> that matters. What do I give a rat's and, ass about anything else? Oh, I'm, I'm sweating. I, I got the, you know, I'm dabbing the with the tissue, the sweat off my, you know, forehead if you're asking me to pick the right. spread. I, I could take Memphis. I would take Memphis right. uh, and, and give the 10. I, yeah. I, I just think they're the better all team. All right, LSU Georgia in the SEC Championship in Atlanta. I really like Georgia in this game, actually. Um, and that's wow. kind of the thing about this whole Utah, you know, Oklahoma discussion. I think it's going to be mood. I, I think Georgia's going to win that game. Georgia has one of the best secondaries in the country. Richard LeCount, I think, LeCount, I'm not even sure how to pronounce his last name, but he is great. Uh, their safety, they've got a couple of great corners. They have, you know, the best secondary maybe in the country, certainly I think in the SEC uh, so they match up pretty well with LSU. They're going to do what Auburn did to LSU, which is flood the field with defensive backs, you know, make LSU run the ball with Edward Hilaire. Don't get me wrong, Edward Hilaire is phenomenal. He's a fantastic running back. Alabama couldn't handle him. But Georgia has more talent in their front seven, believe it or not, than Alabama does. Alabama's been banged up there all year. I think Georgia can do a little bit of what Auburn did uh, when they went down to Baton Rouge and LSU only scored, I think, 27 points, 24 points. Uh, which is basically play six or seven defensive backs at times and say, you know what, if you can run on us, then you know, you're just going to have to run on us. I think Georgia has the defense to make that happen. They're number one in defense in SP Plus right now. They've got more motivation. LSU, you know, they can say all they want, oh, well, we, we're playing for a championship uh, and you know, we're playing for our undefeated record, this sort of stuff. They know, everybody knows they are in the playoff no matter what happens. Georgia knows they have to win. They are not going to continue – their season in the playoff unless they win this game. I think that matters. I think Georgia's defense matters. 
Uh, I think Georgia wins that football game. Yeah, I think that's the game of the week for sure. I think the other ones are going to be ugly. Clemson, uh, the Boise-Hawaii game. Boise, they're lucky they got out of uh, Fort Collins with a win, but uh, they are still 11-1 and 8-0. They're going to be bowling in a big game. Jerry, great stuff as always. I love talking college football with you, brother. You're the best. Thanks for coming on the bench. Enjoy the games this week. Oh, hell yeah, Scott. If you can't enjoy the, well, at least the LSU-George game. Clemson, Virginia, you're excused from enjoying that one. The rest of them, you got to enjoy them, though. Uh, it's awesome as always, Scott. We'll talk soon, man. Hi, my man. Jerry Hennon on the bench. You're listening to Pharrell on the bench. So, uh, James Harden's at it again tonight, Carver High. He's got a 50 spot, and the other night he had 62. He's got uh, 50 points, nine boards, six times in a... 133-132 rocket lead in San Antonio with three seconds left in double overtime. Can you even believe this game? And then, like, it's not even on TV, right? Are you watching it in there? Yeah, we're watching it. Uh, what is it on? NBA TV. Oh, come on. How do they not post Spurs, that? Spurs just tied it at the line. Uh, so now it's like, how do they not post that? Uh, like, I'm sitting there looking at the score, and it's not even on there. It, it usually, you know, every game that's on, it says... It says what game, you know, it, what channel it's on. And I'm sitting here and missed the whole thing. So three seconds left. DeRozan made a couple at the line, and the Spurs are now up one. Rockets getting the ball. Can you even believe that? The Spurs are so awful this year. Are, are they not? They're, the like, pathetic. They're like yeah, the they're Knicks. Can you even believe how badly they've fallen? Because Popovich is like, don't they, like, consider him, like, the greatest coach on earth? He can't coach his way out of a wet paper bag with this team, can he? But tonight they got it going on. Can you even believe that? That's one of those nights you're just going to lose some money. Who in their right mind would bet on the Spurs this year, even against, you know, at home against anybody? Because they've been terrible, right? I mean, let's face facts. They're 7-14, and 14 and they have a losing record at home. They're 5-6 and six at home, but they got this game by one now with three seconds left. Gee, who do you think is going to get the ball? Well, you know who's getting the ball. <laughs> who do you think's going to shoot the last shot? Come on. Come on. Harden. Give me a guess. Harden? Of course right. it's Harden. Do you think, think the, Harden's letting no. Russ touch that rock? Do you rock? think the other four guys should even come out of the huddle? No. Maybe the ref will just hand him the ball and he'll shoot it. I wonder how Russ feels about all this. I don't think he cares. I, I really if don't. If he doesn't care, that's a good thing. Do you think there's a chance, Mafia, that he doesn't care because he's clearly on a better team? He doesn't have to have the weight of the world on his shoulders in Oak City, right? Right. I think we saw last year a little bit of a, a you know maturation process from Russ, you know, where he kind of let PG-13 take the lead of the team, you know, especially in clutch situations. It wasn't him with the ball in his hands a lot of times. Right. They were trying to get it to PG-13. So I think now, you know, he realizes as much as he loved it when Durant left and he thought it was his team that I can't do this alone. So some of these other guys are a lot better in this situation. He still shot 30 shots tonight, Westbrook. He does. He's always going to shoot, but in situations like this when it's late in the game and you need a big shot, he's going to give it up, I think. So he shot 30 times and Harden shot 38 times. Harden uh, was 11 of 38 from the floor, 4 of 20 from downtown. I mean, a situation like this where you probably need a, a big shot late, maybe even a deep three because they're going to try to pack the lane. If you got to take it out of Harden's hands, if they double him, I wouldn't still give it to Rustbrook. I'd give it to Rivers before Rustbrook. How about uh, Harden went to the line 24 times and hit every free throw? He's 24 of 24 from the line. That's how you get 50 points. You go to the line 24 times. Can you imagine? Mafia, if I go to the line once in one of our games, it's a miracle. Right? Like to get one call. 
be very surprising, yeah. Do you think we're in trouble tomorrow night against the uh, Monstars Probably. in our... You think we're in big trouble? Probably, but who cares? So we're just going to get spanked? Just going to get a good run. Get a little sweat in, lose a couple pounds? Lord knows I didn't need that. Mafia. Conceding defeat. Carver High, did you hear this? Conceding defeat the night before the game. Shouldn't even go. Shouldn't even go. Charge. Are you kidding? They just called a charge on Harden? Yep. Was it a charge? Yeah. So he it de- just put his head down and ran right so, to the rim. So it's definitely a charge. He thought it was a good call. I think it's a good call. So that's game over. I got to see this to see if it's a good call. Oh, I don't know. DeRozan's was—he was moving like crazy. You got to be kidding me! Now, will they check that call? Can they? Can they challenge that call? Because to me, he was moving. He was leaning back. He was falling down. He flopped. That wasn't even a charge, if you ask me, because he was literally falling down before he even hit him. You can't even deny it. He was falling down. It was He tipped over like a tree. But I'm sick of him going to the line 25 times, so screw him anyway. Seriously. Do you really think our Carver High, that, that guy wasn't, uh, that wasn't, uh, that he wasn't flopping? Look at him. He, he literally was falling before the guy even got to him. You can't argue that. He went into him pretty hard. He did, but he was already falling. He was so, leaning for sure, but he, he embellished it, but it was still a charge. Bro, he was hitting the bed like a drunk after drinking a keg of beer. He was falling over so fast. They're they're reviewing it. And then they caught they stuck to it. That's what they just did. That's that, if you ask me. They're they're not giving Harden that call. Right? That's game over. Right? They're not giving him the call, are they? Because they, they, the, they went to the review. Wow. I don't know. He looked to me like he was uh, falling down. Now, I'm sure that if he didn't get the call, Popovich would be flipping out right now, right? But instead, they got the ball. This game's over. There's .8 left. No one's going to do anything. All they have to do is touch the ball, and the clock's going to end. And that'll be that. You're listening to Pharrell on the bench. Well, I got burned on that... Um, that Rockets game, that's for sure. Uh, they ended up losing that game with that crappy call. 135-133 uh, Spurs in double overtime in San Antonio tonight. So the eighth win of the season for the Spurs against the 13-win Rockets. Rockets are 13-7, 5-5 away. So it's kind of average for you know a team that has a guy like Harden who uh, everybody knows uh, is Chuck City. I mean, this guy just shoots until the uh, lights go out. So I, I won't deny he's great. Uh, and I love watching him score, like everybody else does. But I mean, they're—I mean, thirteen to seven—is that anything to brag about? I mean, honestly, they're like you know, set, what you know, six games over five hundred. I mean, what is that? You know, it's not like he's playing it. I mean, the Mavericks have a better record, right? They do. They're fourteen and six. The Lakers have been better, you know. And I think one of the things is like the Clippers—they've got fifteen wins. Do you think, Carver High, that the Rockets are that good, even though they have those two star scorers? I mean, let's face it, Westbrook can fill it up, too. I don't think that they would beat either of the L.A. teams in a playoff series. I just don't. And let's say they miraculously did and got to the finals. Could they beat the Bucks or Raptors? Or Philly or Boston? Do you think they could beat I, a team I from think, the East? I think any. I think all those big teams in the West could beat anybody in the East. You know, you take all those four or five best Including the Rockets. Oh, yeah. I think that they could win. If they got to the final. Here's the problem with the Rockets getting to the finals. 
and these other teams. It's going to be so hard for all of these teams. Like, they would possibly have to beat both the Lakers and the, and the Clippers, right? When they have to possibly go through both of them. Denver in there, too. Get all the, you know, right. there's so many good teams. good teams in the West. And I know it's kind of like that every year, but do you really think that Harden is, and, you know. He'd have to do it basically him? himself. I mean, with, with Westbrook. But he shouldn't. I mean, that's the thing now. You know, it's him and Westbrook. They don't but, spread it enough to everybody else. Listen, what's, what did we see last year? Depth is so important. You know, Toronto was able to throw so many guys at you. We saw how the Warrior depth hurt them when everybody got hurt. They didn't have the depth that they had in years past. You need to have some. You need to have more. Mafia, let me ask you a question. Remember last night we were talking about. Uh, remember we were talking about the four teams in the East, and we all said that the Heat are in there now at three, and there's just no way they'll last and stay there. That right. they'll eventually fizzle. Tonight they went to Toronto in overtime and kicked the Raptors' ass, one twenty-one, one ten. Jimmy buckets had twenty-two, thirteen, and twelve. The triple double. Are you willing to? Um, are you willing to take any of that back that all of us agreed that they wouldn't last, that the Heat go to Toronto tonight and kick their ass? I mean, they get it done. How tough do you think they are? They're playing incredibly tough right now, but this is not a team when I look at their roster that I think is going to be one that scares me down the stretch. I think that when you start getting, especially into the playoffs, when you're going to play a team three, four, five, six, seven times in a row and you make adjustments game to game, when you get a good coach that know, you know, figures things out, I think that could be very. But don't you think he's a good coach, Bolster? I think he is. I'm not saying he's not, but I mean, when you look at the rest of that that lineup, Butler, of course, is Butler, and he's doing his thing. But you know, Miles Leonard, you know, Adebayo, Olenek, Jones Jr., Winslow, are any of these guys really scaring you? They're playing great right now. They're playing deep. That's the problem. Is that the problem for the other teams? Is that everyone is contributing, but when it comes to clutch time and defenses start to crack down, really. Are you expecting those guys to still put up 16, 17, 18 points a game? Just, I'm not. just Butler. Just Butler. That's all you're going to expect. And we know in the playoffs that doesn't work. So did you see the Mavericks? They won tonight 118-97 over the Pelicans on the road. And your boy Luca. my name is Luca. I live on the second floor. 20, uh, what do you have, 33, 18, and 5. He is truly, uh, without a doubt, in my book, my favorite player to watch now in the NBA every night, the white boy down in Dallas. Can you imagine? Seriously, he is the most entertaining player in the league. Am I crazy to say that? Like, He's I get been it. incredible for them. And, you know, everyone was the big talk was about KP coming there. How good they're going to be together. I mean, KP's had some good performances. But every night it's just Luka, Luka, Luka. It's not the two of them doing these big things every night. It's just Luka. He's just carrying that team with, you know, KP doing some nice things on the side. He's 9 of 18, 50% from the floor, 5 threes, 10 of 13 from the line, 18 rebounds, 5 dimes. Only four turnovers, a plus 16. I mean, that's incredible. He has 33. And then uh, your boy Porzingis tonight has seven. He chucks two of 11 from the floor, one of three from downtown, six rebounds, one dime, five blocks. I'll give him the five blocks, but that's a puke game for Porzingis. And He's uh, Don- 17 and, and uh, nine right now this year. Who, Porzingis? Porzingis. But, I mean, yeah, Dodgers, but- 39, 9.6 assists, one and a half steals. The guy's... Almost averaging a triple-double. He did in November. Ingram continues to fill it up for the Pels. 24 points, six uh, dimes, three steals and a block. He's a fantastic player. One of the things I think I sent you tonight, uh, did I not, Carver High, the thing on um, Zion Williamson? He's like, it's six weeks to the day that he had the knee. Itching to play again. 
But he's not even on the court. Not even on the court yet. So there's no way he's close, right? If you're not on the court, you're not playing anytime soon. I don't. Doesn't sound like it. What is it? Do you think it's two weeks before he even gets on the court? If he hasn't gone near it yet. You would think it's going to be a little while longer now still. Gentry says, in these situations, you have to protect the players from themselves because he's itching to play, and they're not going to let him. He had the uh, lateral meniscus in his right knee operated on, and um, everybody wanted an update. The answer is uh, he'll get back as soon as he can, but has yet to start working. And Gentry said, I think he's fine. I don't think it's anything that can be rushed. I think it's uh, a time thing. Six weeks is what we said. Obviously, he's making progress. But when the time comes for him to get on the court and do things like that, it, uh, he will. It's not anything that's going to be rushed or any shortcut. It's a matter of taking the time to make sure he's fine. It's really, um, you know, no one wants to admit it, but it's hurt their season dramatically because they had big plans, and those plans uh, uh, have washed. They're 6-15 and 15 and 4-7 and seven at home. Bottom line is, if he comes back in, let's say, three, four weeks, their season's already over. It's over. Now all you do is try to get to 500 the rest of the way. Well, I don't and, think they expected that much from with all these young guys this season. I think this season was all about gelling, getting the new system in there with Gentry, about building for the future. But you know, he people like people paid to watch him play. Oh, of course. That's why they got him. Everybody wants to watch him play. They don't care about results. They just want to watch that guy play basketball. Right, but in the end, you know, it's they want to watch him play for five, seven, ten years, not just hey, let's go shove him out there real quick before he's ready and blow out his knee and ruin his career. I mean, I think the longer you go. If he comes back and or starts working three or four weeks and feels a tweak, or comes back and something else happens, you might be in a Embiid Simmons situation where you just say, you know what, forget it. You sit the whole year, you relax, come back next year completely healthy, and we'll start over. Are you surprised the Lakers? Uh, I thought they'd uh, actually lose tonight in Denver. I thought Denver would give them a better game, but the Lakers kicked their ass. One hundred five ninety six. LeBron had twenty five six and nine. Another big game from Big Game James. And then, uh, obviously, uh, they were, you know, going to lose two in a row. And that didn't happen. And, again, AD had 25, 10 boards, and a block shot. So, uh, they continue to rake. Uh, Howard had 13. Rondo had 11 and six dimes and a steal. And uh, they're just getting productivity from everybody. I mean, the whole lineup scores. Everybody gets in on it. I mean, literally every guy that got in the game for the Lakers scored in the game. Every guy. So that, that's when you know you're a good team. When every guy, the bench guys, you know, uh, Daniels, Caruso, Rondo, Howard, Kuzma, they all scored. Pope, Green, McGee, they all scored. You know the one thing I think about that team that the difference is for me, and everybody will say it's LeBron and 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 obviously Davis is a magnificent player, right? But I think the key for me is that in the block, in the low block, they've got three bigs. They got Davis and they got Dwight Howard playing out of his mind, and then they got McGee who's just absolutely uh, uh, you know, a freak. He blocks shots and gets rebounds, and he's he's a shot alterer. McGee is a very long, like, does he not play like he's seven foot? Like, just gigantic shot blocking alteration type guy in the paint. All three of them. And they get all the rebounds, and they alter shots, and I think their size has made the Lakers so exciting to watch play this year, is that they're killing people in the paint. Yeah, those guys have been huge for them because, you know, the big thing is that takes the pressure off Anthony Davis. Because all we heard when after this trade was he didn't want to play center, doesn't want to play center, doesn't want to play center. 
Well, those guys are playing so well, he doesn't have to. You can get those guys in there and split minutes between the three of them. So that, that takes the pressure off him and lets him go outside, lets him shoot threes, lets him, you know, dribble the ball a little more. And right now, I know it's early season, of course, you know, way too early, but Dwight Howard set himself up for comeback player of the year. The way that this guy's accepted his role and has just finally played within himself. This is the best he's played since Orlando, in my opinion, because all these other times where he's still to be a star, he was a jerk. Even when he went to Atlanta, to D.C., nobody wanted him because he still thought he was some superstar that needed to dominate the team. He's come to L.A., kept his mouth shut, played his role, and been incredible for them. Don't you think that he finally uh, you know, realized that he was such a D, that everyone was done with him, and it was his last straw, and that he had no more uh, opportunity? This will be the last job he ever has. And he's gone out and he's had, you know, almost seven points a game, seven rebounds a game, almost a dime a game, and playing, uh, you know, I, I think just rocking, uh, you know, 13 tonight. He's averaging that seven spot over the last 10. On the road, he's been even better, seven and a half points a game. And uh, his career, he's a 17-point guy. And this is who he is now. It's seven points or whatever. But he contributes and does his job every night without fail and is not complaining. Is just playing with a smile on his face and, and, and you know, going all out when he's in there. And I think that's made the difference for him, just admitting that it's over and admitting that it, he knows he has no other opportunities. It, this is the end of the road. So either give it everything you got and enjoy it, smile, and play hard for your teammates, and they'll respect that. Anything else is uncivilized. Right, and he's not sitting in there calling for the ball, expecting to post up and dominate and be a part of the offense, you know, call some plays for him. He's just going in there, cleaning up the trash, grabbing the rebounds, putting them back, you know, pick and rolls, things like that, just doing right. whatever they need him to do. Frank Vogel said Dwight Howard um, and McGee have really impressed him. Our centers have uh, really impressed me, both Dwight and JaVale. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And um, I mean, it's just unbelievable, uh, in my opinion, uh, what they've done in the low block, seriously. And, um, you know, there's been talk of uh, what is the deal uh, with this Cousins thing? Uh, Demarcus Cousins, the you know the vet, plucked from Golden State. His injuries have been nothing but a problem. Suffered a torn ACL. He's been present at the facility for practice, but hasn't participated in anything with the team. And instead, using the time to rehabilitate. On Sunday, he walked laps around the perimeter of both courts at the UCLA uh, training center. And uh, he's facing a misdemeanor domestic violence charge after allegedly threatening his ex-girlfriend and the mother of a seven-year-old son during a phone call this summer. And NBA officials are working with uh, the Mobile, Alabama Police Department to coordinate a surrender date for Cousins. And uh, they're saying it's, it's untrue that the NBA reached out to those police department people to do the surrender according to the NBA. Nothing like having that hanging over your head, right? Seriously. Uh, Eric in Miami, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Scott, can I get a Presidente, please? Can we get him a freshie? You know, uh, Presidentes are always great. I used to drink them at the Orange Bowl when I went to see the Canes. All about the U, son. All about the U. Um, listen, I don't, uh, I don't disagree necessarily that the Heat are going to stay a top three seed all season. And when they get to the playoffs, uh, I guess I think it was Carver High who was saying it's not you're not wrong necessarily that the lineup isn't all that intimidating, especially when they shorten the bench. However, to list out a bio to just say oh, out of bio, like Bam out of bio is an elite center in the NBA right now. I, I think he's definitely – uh, listen, um, I think he's getting a lot better for sure. There's no denying that the guy can play. And I don't think he was like, oh, he sucks. I just think he said he's not 
you know, freaking out that you're facing uh, Adebayo. You know, tonight he had a great game, 18 points, seven boards. You know, if I can get that out of that guy every night, I'm loving life. And uh, certainly this year he's giving you 14 a game and 10 boards, a double-double every night. So, yeah, he is uh, certainly turning into a badass. And uh, I think they're a good team. And you know what? The thing I like about him and nobody ever talks about is, is Goran Dragic. In crunch time, in the fourth quarter, with, uh, you know, under five minutes to go, that guy is money. He is absolutely lethal, and he knows how to take over a game at any point of a game, and especially in those last five minutes. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.